Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, October 3rd. Wrap yourself in a cloak of calmness. A calm, wisely guided will is the best protection against adversity. That's, it's, that's really interesting. Um, there's a whole other um, aspect of Sanatana Dharma, which I think I've referenced here and there um, in the course of these commentaries. It's the eight aspects of God, the eight ways that the divine manifests in the world. This is in, in creation. This is, a, this is not something I make up. This is a tradition in Sanatana Dharma, which is the foundation philosophy upon which self-realization is, uh, what self-realization is. And so among the eight um, manifestations is peace, calmness. I'll say them all. Peace, calmness, love, joy wisdom, energy, light, and sound. But the only point of this is peace and calmness are listed as two different things. And so he's talking about wrapping yourself in a cloak of calmness. So it's important to understand the difference between calmness and peace in this context. Peace is when everything is peaceful, when it all just goes, you know, that wonderful moment before that time before dawn, that feeling in the air just at dusk, those transition points when everything stops briefly. If you're sensitive enough, you can feel it at midnight and at noon as well. These are just the points where everything is sort of in balance, getting ready to shift. And peace is when the house is quiet, when you know your husband has taken the kids off, or your wife has take, gone to the country with the children, and hooray, you're left at home alone, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden, you know, peace descends. A friend of mine was talking to another couple. He had three children and the other couple had none. And he, he was a strong, strong-minded New Yorker. No kids? What do you do for noise? He said like that. <laughs> so there's that kind of peace when you don't have children and they're not screaming all over the house. What do you do for noise? But uh, peace is circumstantial. Calmness is an inner attitude. And you can be exceedingly calm in the midst of absolute chaos. Um, one of my friends told me his, in his family, there were three children in his family, and I believe then his sister also had brought some children home or something like that. It was a fairly chaotic house, but it was a small house. His father had tremendous powers of concentration, and for relaxation, used to like to work out math problems. He just did math, you know, like other people do jigsaw puzzles. He did math problems. And his concentration was so intense that he could sit at the kitchen table with all this family whirling around him and he could just quietly do his math and just stay completely focused on it. He was completely focused and calm no matter what was going on around him because he brought to the situation this kind of focus. When you hear um, sometimes really top athletes, professional athletes, they'll talk about being in the zone sometimes. Now, I have no experience of this, so I'm just quoting what I know. But they'll talk about being in the middle, you know, with thousands of fans screaming in the last few seconds of a game. 
And there's just, there's nothing going on except for them. Just whatever the ball or the puck or whatever they're moving at that particular time, that's all that they see. And they'll just move through it like nothing else is happening. And the obvious word for that is a very deep sense of calm sets into them. But they're running and they're acting and they may even be talking and they're interacting and they're making split-second decisions. There's nothing, there's nothing slightly peaceful and all the fans are on their feet screaming. There's no, no peace anywhere in that atmosphere. But there's a deep sense of concentration and calm. Um, soldiers on the battlefield, heroes on the battlefield are sometimes tell you that. They just, they don't see anything. They don't even know that they've been wounded because they're just moving forward doing what they have to do. Now that's what we're really talking about. Because if we think we're supposed to wrap ourselves in an aura of peacefulness, this is what we saw a lot of in the early, the, the pseudo, the pseudo-spiritual period when a lot of people's spirituality was based on the chemicals they were ingesting. And they would ingest these chemicals which, you know, either gave them, caused the world to fragment into beads of light, which is, I've seen it, it's quite interesting. Or they've ingested some kind of, oh, like marijuana or something like that, which just causes you to have exaggerated experiences out of very small events. You know, where just everything just kind of assumes the significance like this. And so people would just like want to be peaceful all the time, which generally meant low energy and accomplish nothing. Now, I don't mean to be rude, but that is sort of, that's the pattern that I saw. It was low energy, accomplish nothing, because you're supposed to be peaceful, man. That's what you're supposed to be, is peaceful. We used to joke, we, I'm meaning the first 10 years of Ananda, when a lot of places were trying to start communities, People would, would find it, some idyllic location that had like hot springs, like everybody loves hot springs. So, you know, we can just, we can sit, we have natural springs, we can sit in the hot tubs, we can sit in the forest, in the hot water, and it just kind of seems like just the right atmosphere for a community. And I developed a personal theory that I had yet to see a community develop with any actual magnetism. I mean, people could run a spa, and you could even run a retreat where there were hot springs. But to actually get any kind of dynamic work going, I didn't see it happen consistently where there were hot springs because anytime anybody got any energy going, they just get in the hot water. <laughs> and you would just sit out in the hot water until they got really mellow again and uh, all their ambition left. One of my friends uh, had a very dynamic uh, enterprise here in the Bay Area. Um, and he decided that uh, he he was a, a he ran a radio program really successful. He was a, he was he did public relations. He was way on the cutting edge of the new age. He was way out there with it, and uh, but the Bay Area was crowded even then and expensive. And he thought you know life would be much mellower and nicer. So he moved his entire crew, his enterprise, his family. He moved them all to Hawaii, and they set up shop over there. And they were going. And six months later, he moved his entire enterprise back to California. And he said, I had to get away from Hawaii before I f even forgot why I was trying to accomplish anything. <laughs> he got very peaceful. But it wasn't what he wanted. It wasn't the dynamic calmness that he was hoping for. It was just a, a gradual for him. I mean, I was laughing actually, though. I met someone and he, he I was just sort of like, where, where have you been? What have you been doing? 
He said, well, I lived for eight years in Hawaii. And I sort of said, well, what did you do there? He said, I lived in Hawaii. <laughs> and he was telling me that that was, that was the accomplishment, was that he lived there. Now, I'm not casting aspersions on Hawaii. I, it's not nothing. It's about, I'm not being a geographic snob. I'm just telling. I'm just, just saying here. But Swami himself remarked, Hawaii, before the missionaries came, before the European civilization imposed itself on the native culture, he said Hawaii was sort of like not quite incarnating on the material plane. He said they were peaceful. Um, you, you, you didn't need hardly any clothes. You, could just, you needed almost no shelter. Food was just readily available without any particular effort. He said you, could, you just like most of the drawbacks of the material plane just didn't exist in Hawaii. So you could, and it was beautiful. So he said, you sort of, you would take a holiday. I need a physical body, but not very much. So I'll just live like that. Now I'm going to come back again. But cloak yourself, wrap yourself in a cloak of calmness. So much of the time, and he says against adversity, so much of the challenge of a difficult problem is that we lose our center. And as soon as we lose our center, we just do things that, that actually make it worse. You know, it's, if you've ever been in any kind of a crisis situation, you realize that the, the person who's calm is the one that you're going, to magnet, you're going to rush to as soon as possible. And isn't the phrase, calm down, calm down, everyone calm down, because as long as we're agitated, we're just running in circles and generally making it worse. But if everyone just calms down, then we'll be able to think clearly, make intelligent decisions, and move our way through this. So what Swamiji is suggesting here is make it a habit of staying calm. Just make it a habit of, of holding our center no matter what comes to it, comes to us. Even, um, you know, just, it, they, they talk about, you know, count to ten before you respond, but it's a very, very good practice. Whenever anything begins to agitate you, your first responsibility is not to follow through on that, that compelling desire. Your first responsibility is to take a few deep breaths, put your attention at the point between the eyebrows, relax into your heart, and calm down. Just as simple as that. And if we practice this all the time, just practice all the time wrapping ourselves in a cloak of calmness, and then when challenges come, will be habituated to responding that way. Because you, you can't, in the moment, create an entirely new habit. Um, someone told me about a particular astrological configuration. I'm, I, I know almost nothing about astrology, but just this tiny little bit. This person had this personality temperament where they had, they had two very strong conditions in their horoscope, which the astrologer said are not good. <laughs> he said... One of them causes you to anticipate, to project anxieties into future situations. Like, oh, if, if this thing continues in this way, then that's going to happen. And then the other quality makes you feel that you have to do something about it right now. Now, first of all, you've just projected the problem into the future. It doesn't even exist. And then you become anxious that you have to do something right now. The astrologer said, if you don't learn to work with this well, you're going to be born with it again, which turned out to be a very powerful incentive. Because whenever there is that agitated feeling that I must do something about it now, I mean, it was complicated by the fact that it was all projection, 
But whenever there is an agitated feeling that I must do something about it now, be very, very suspicious. And before you do anything about that agitated compulsion, bring yourself back to center. And if, if we can train ourselves, just no matter what comes, first bring ourselves back to center, and then from center see what might be needed. Because it is amazing, once we extricate ourselves from that compelling anxiety, how different everything looks. And how unnecessary it is much of the time to do what we were just about to do, whether it's speak or act or make a phone call or whatever it might be. We just calmly consider. Swami Kriyananda was just a master at staying calm, no matter how tough things were. He just, he, he didn't react. He always responded. You see, that's the difference. Sometimes a response is needed. Sometimes an exceedingly powerful response is needed. Sometimes you, you don't have much time to make a choice because the response is needed in the moment. But nonetheless, we still do it from a center of calmness, calmness not from a center of panic. You know, and panic expresses itself physically by the way our breath is, physically by the way the body tenses, physically by the way the voice begins to sound. You know, just like, why am I shouting? Why, why have the people around me suddenly become deaf? Why do I have to speak so much louder all of a sudden? I mean, just even listen. Why am I so intense about this? You know, then... But don't drop your energy. See, what I was saying about going into the hot tub <laughs> is don't drop your energy. Sometimes people think calmness means to drop your energy. And then just, eh, who cares anymore? That's not calmness. Calmness is taking all the energy that's whirling, pulling it to a point of stillness. The hero on the battle, the athlete on the field, they have not dropped their energy, but they have just pulled it in from the periphery of, of superfluous concerns and brought it into a focus to the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters is right now, what is needed, what is being asked of me, what should I do? And practice when it's easier. This was Swami's advice to me about a very difficult question, very simple, practice when it's easier. I've, I've made a, a habit, which is a small habit, but it's a one way of dealing with this. I try not to react when something unexpected happens, like even I stub my toe or I cut myself with a knife or, you know, I think of it primarily when, when sudden pain happens, small pain, but, but pain. There's a tendency to cry out. And I, I'm, I've been consciously trying to train myself when unexpected things happen, instead of becoming agitated, try to become calmer. So that as adversity may escalate, the habit will be there to respond to adversity by going inward and becoming still, instead of by going outward and becoming chaotic. Okay? Swami says, wrap yourself in a cloak of calmness. A calm, wisely guided will is the best protection against adversity. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.